welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. This is it, Jared. It's our grand final preview show. 2021, Rabbitohs versus Penrith. How you feeling? Why did I say that? Sorry. Rabbitohs versus Panthers. South Sydney versus Penrith. There we go. I'm pumped. Are you? For, a, for our show. I'm pumped for our show. Oh, what about the grand final? Are you pumped for that? I'm pumped for the whole day at, at this stage because it's still going ahead. Oh, I know it's COVID, but I reckon the grand final days aren't as flash as they used to be. Like when we started going, we had the 20s, which was this ball playing all over the place. Um, we had the Q Cup set, the Q Cup Super Bowl. And then they had the um, grand final, and the it, it, but now it'd just be the grand final. The, the day yeah, there's two games fun. beforehand. What, what games this weekend? Yeah, the two Q Cup prelim finals. Yeah, that'll be sick. You're talking about the 20s and then the Q Cup Super Bowl. It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, but why would uh, why couldn't they line up? I don't know. The this was planned ages ago. Q-Cup. We didn't know how many changes were going to be, COVID and all this. We didn't even know if the grand final was going to be on I'm on Sunday. I'm going through the teams. Or if anyone's going to be here. Oh, you got anyway, we'll is that get, little we'll get back to that when we talk about what's happening on grand final day. But You get to watch Tyrone Roberts play. Yay. Okay, so if this is your first time listening to Six Again, uh, welcome. Good, good episode to tune into as long as Joe doesn't jump back in here. We'll get back to all the grand final stuff soon. Um, if you're a long-suffering listener, welcome back. Thank you for your support as always. Do want to do a couple of shout-outs before we get started. Um, ChasingRoos.com have a 40% off sale starting grand final day. So 40% off their entire website. It's the biggest sale I've ever done. So head to ChasingRoos.com for all your international rugby league jerseys. And they, there is an update also that the uh, NRL Grand Final is not the only big game on the 3rd of October. Serbia versus Russia, international test match is also on um, as part of European Championship B. Uh, so that's on at 2 o'clock, City Stadium, Paris in Serbia. So if you're keen on some Serbian and Russian rugby league, jump on that, that one. Would, that would be insane. Like, they'd just be the hardest bastards belting the shit out of each other. That'd be epic to watch. Yes. Once I work out what the time zone differential is going to be on that, because I'm not sure if that's 2 o'clock Serbian time or 2 o'clock Australian time, (laughs) I really want to check that out. So I'm going to somehow find a stream for it. Um, I hit up chasingroos.com if you guys are keen or Michael Carbone on Twitter. Also, to our two prize winners for our tipping comp, Hang in there, guys. We're having a little bit of dramas with our subby coolers getting to us before we get them to you. So they will be on their way soon. Um, both boys or boys have opted one for a black, one for a white shirt. So they'll be coming your way. And a congratulations to my Chicago White Sox in Major League Bas- Baseball. Basketball, bloody hell. Baseball. First division title since 2008. So I'm uber stoked with that one. Chasing our first World Series in 2005. Really exciting young team. Um, had a blast watching them this year. So, boosh, White Sox. My baseball season starts on Saturday too, Jared. It's going to be a big weekend. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm going to sleep. Yeah, you do that. Get all that sleep in before <laughs> that bug comes along of yours. All righty. Big show ahead, guys. We've got some off-field awards. We're going to do a whole 
grand final preview. We've got some news coming out of the Bulldogs and also threw it out on social media this afternoon of any topics and opinions you guys want us to talk about tonight for our grand final preview. So we've got uh, four different topics sent in from listeners. So we're going to go through some of those. And one of them we're looking at doing a uh, specific featured series on in the off season because it's probably going to be too, well, it is too big for tonight's show only. So with all that in mind, um, we're actually going to start with Super League because Oof. it's finals here, it's finals over there. So the Super League table finished with Catlin Dragons on top, St. Helens, Warrington, Wigan, Leeds, Hull. Um, the first round of finals was the eliminated games. Uh, which were Wigan versus Leeds. Leeds won that one 8-0. And then also Warrington versus Hull. And Hull finished sixth. Warrington finished third. And Hull knocked out, uh, six knocked out third in the first round. That's just how their final system works. Short and sharp. That was a 19-0 win. So for the two semifinals, that's Catlan Dragons finished top versus Hull Kingston Rovers, the Robins, who finished sixth. Now that is on 8.45 France time, which is 4.45 Friday morning. Uh, so the 1st of October Australian time or Brisbane time. So I'm assuming that's so tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. So when everyone gets to listen to this, it'll be already played. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if you want to watch the replay, it'll probably be on later that day on KO, I'm pretty sure. And the second semi-final, which will be St. Helens versus Leeds. So second versus fifth to... Uh, fierce rivals there that will be on at 4 45 saturday morning so i'll be trying to get up to watch those um knowing that i've got a big weekend ahead of me so that should be um absolute crackers if you're a super league fan as i am and jared half is we'll say <laughs> no comment i mind it okay so if you haven't already checked out your club's awards um do so but the Dallium uh, academic team and academic player of the year has been announced. And it's the first time in history that the same player has won both the academic player of the year and the Dallium player of the year. So Tom Trebojevic has won the 2021 NRL academic player of the year. He's completing a bachelor of applied finance with a bachelor of economics at Macquarie university. So congratulations to Tom Trebojevic for that. Uh, Brisbane Broncos and Jewelry's playmaker Taryn Aitken, who is currently completing her honours in psychology, was named Female Academic Player of the Year. And they were among the players recognised as part of the entire uh, Teams of the Year, which includes male and female stars covering a variety of courses. So they used to do one of these academic teams for just the male players, but now they've combined the two. So you've got Tom Trebojevic, Joe Stimson, Cole Flanagan, Patrick Carrigan, Mitch Rain, Aidan Tolman, Elliot Whitehead, Sean Lane, Mitch Kenny, Lindsay Collins, Drew Hutchinson, Bridie Parker and Taryn Aitken make up your academic team of the year. It's got all the courses that they're doing up on NRL.com. So jump on there and check it out. Um, congratulations to all those athletes, not only juggling the complex life of a professional athlete, but also tertiary study which by itself is extremely difficult um so yeah really positive note to start the show on so shout out to those guys all right to a bit of a negative um tickets are being refunded to the nrl grand final as state government has capped 
capacity to 75% to get in line with health, world health regulations. So a cap crowd of 39,000 instead of the 54 and a half that Suncorp can hold. It seems as though they've been refunded on a last in first out or first in last out basis. So if you're one of the first purchase the tickets in either allocation, uh, you're more than likely to keep your tickets. So the first allocation was members of the public and members of clubs. The second allocation was specifically Penrith and Rabbitohs supporters. Um, so keep checking your ticket order. And yeah, both grand final teams are in place under level four biosecurity protocols. And the next 24 hours are critical with regards to containment of COVID in Brisbane as to what will happen with the grand final with postponement and option. So yeah, nothing really much more we can say about that. That's where we're up to. Um, huge disappointment, obviously. Everything was going so well. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what else to put on that one. There's a lot of other sporting events in Queensland on the edge. There's a double header rugby matchup on the Gold Coast on Saturday that I was going to. Lucky I haven't purchased my ticket yet. I'll hold off on that. That was Wallabies Argentina, All Black South Africa, which is going to be brilliant. You've got women's cricket tests down the Gold Coast as well. Um, they're all kind of watching each other to see what's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be a rough couple of months. We'll just have to wait and see, really. Yeah. It's not going to... Yeah, there's not much else we can say on that one. Um, with regards to the grand final itself, it is going to be a cracking day if it all um, goes as planned. So, obviously, it's on this Sunday, 3rd of October. Kickoff is going to be 6.30 p.m., uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time or Australian Eastern Daily Time, 7.30. Um, game day, so 12 p.m. local time, so Brisbane time, gates will open, so that's 1 p.m. Victoria, New South Wales, Tasmania, South Australia, I'm assuming. Uh, Intrust Super Cup prelim final, what's the first one there, Jared? 12.15, who are the two teams in that one? Uh, you've got... It's actually quite interesting because there's a decent amount of NRL players. So you got Winner mm. Manly Seagulls, it's Tweed Head. Um, it's been an interesting year for Q Cup because it's stop, start, stop, start all the time. But what's actually happened is that due to the NRL um, being in such a condensed bubble, we've only the top 30 in there. They've actually had a lot of lot more NRL standard players actually being relegated back. And on the other hand, they've actually had a lot of people from local competitions moved up to cover those numbers. So it's been a really interesting year in Two Cup because a lot more people have been exposed exposed into the competition, which has been awesome. So um, have a look at these games because they could be really interesting. And uh, it's been great for Q Cup and it'll be interesting next year because... They've actually had a chance to play this year, even though the New South Wales Cup hasn't. So hold out for this one. Have a look at both games. And, um, yeah, good luck to both teams, really. And then the second game is North Devils versus Burley Bears. Um, it'd be interesting. I'm not sure what's happened in the Q Cup. So these these two games are held as the curtain raises for the NRL Grand Final. So it'd be interesting what happens next week because... I think it's only been the last three years the traditional grand final for Q Cup's actually been played at Suncorp Stadium. Before that, it was actually the top-rated team 
play at their home ground for the grand final. Because generally what was happening was Brisbane already had the ground ready for their final because their Q Cup's usually done last week. Yeah, last week. They usually because have their grand final last week and then they played the Super Bowl. Yeah, so it'd be interesting where it is. I hope, actually, either way, it'd be good because, one, if it goes to Suncorp, the players get that chance to play at that elite stadium. But, two, if it goes to another remote stadium, the local stadiums in the urban grounds in Queensland definitely deserved a um, chance to host a game this year. I think with the protocols going on at the moment, there's a lower chance it'll travel out somewhere else. I'd, I'd say it'll yeah, just go to uh, one of the, the the higher ranking team. I'm having a look at the ladder at the end of the season. North Devils finished on top. Um, at 17 games, 15 wins, two loss, um, with a differential of 201, which is pretty good. So they, who'd you say they were taking on? The Devils are taking on... Uh, Bears, Bears. Uh, yeah. yeah, so the, the Devils the... are playing barely Bears and Seagulls are playing Seagulls. Yeah, so second versus fourth. Okay, so yeah, they didn't have a full final series. Cool. And then I, I'd assume that the grand final is going to be at Suncorp the week after, but we will we will see. All righty, I'm really looking forward to those games because, like I said, when we go to the Sydney Grand Finals, we get there for the 20s and then the Q Cup versus New South Wales Cup game. These ones will be very hard fought as well, and they'll be able to play in front of a huge crowd as well, hopefully. Um, so they're at 12.15, 2.45, then at 4.35, sorry, 4.30 local time, the retiring players farewell. That's going to be a pretty big list, and we'll get on to another retirement a little bit later. 5.30 will be the pre-game entertainment that we talked about last episode. And then at 6.30 local time, Panthers versus Rabbitohs. All righty. Moving on to... Well, we've already talked about the NRL, the decision that they may have to relocate. We're not going to go over that. Okay. Let's get on to other stuff that's going on off the field. We're talking about... Um, I guess the NRL are trying to draw a line in the sand um, after three Storm players have drawn a line of something else. And put them. There we go. Segue. That's Um, a fucking shit of a joke. We'd love to just blow over this, but we uh, can't. Thank you. I like that one. Um, Smith Munster and Chris Lewis are the three players caught up in the scandal from Melbourne Storm. Uh, Reese Walsh obviously um, was caught with a substance out in the public sphere. These three players were filmed in closed quarters. Um, obviously not out in public, but with someone in there dumb enough to take a f- uh, video of it and post it. Now it looks as though they're all the they're going to be facing a two-week suspension ahead of the 2022 season, a final sanction of around forty thousand dollars. Um, it's not a good look. Obviously, like different players have different ways of relaxing after a season. <laughs> um, this isn't up my alley. Um, not a not a fan of this at all. Let alone letting someone into my room that you obviously have trust in that aren't, isn't going to do anything this stupid. But I'm saying that. 
Honestly, oh, two okay. weeks and 40 grand is pretty soft in my opinion. But... Okay, so I, I 100% before I say this, do not agree with what they did. Um, it's shit. Yeah, it is. But I, I have a bit of a... I don't even know how to do this. So obviously I support Newcastle. Andrew Johns has got caught doing this shit. It was obviously covered up by the NRL. And it really annoys me that whenever someone's mentioning Andrew Johns, that this is what they bring. They go back to, oh, he drugged up his entire career. For someone to say that, he was the only one doing it, and these two are the only ones doing it in the NRL. That's ridiculously ignorant. There is more people out there doing it. No, I agree uh, with that. And I was actually reading an article, and I don't know if this is true, but part of every player's contract or part of the RLPA agreement no players are, to, are allowed to be drug tested in the off-season. So what I want to bring that up for is that the articles and all the stuff that's read has come out, there's a white substance on the table. They can't actually confirm that substance because they can't drug test them because it's technically these blokes off-season. So it is really interesting, this story, because... Yes, it looks bad and it's 99.99% sure, but the players are sitting there going 0.001%. Yeah, but the NRL can't, but the police can. No, no the, the, the police can't, but they haven't. Yeah, no, it's not so they can't yet. So the integrity unit findings into the apparent breach are set to be finalised and handed down the week after Sunday's grand final. Yeah. So, now, so the findings are bringing the game in disrepute. Well, they haven't been they can't prove. They can't prove what they did wrong. No, and they can't. But we'll. Um... And I'm not defending them. I'm not. I'm just saying that it's a very. It, it, yes. it just sucks that they they there's that bloke in there filming then sold it. It it it, it it's horrible. Yeah. What I should have clarified at the start is those sanctions were by the NRL's integrity unit. Uh, Melbourne Storm have yet to hand down their um, punishment as well. Um, but speaking yesterday, Storm CEO Rodsky basically said they made a poor error in judgment, they let their club down, their teammates, their coaches, etc., members and fans who look to them and support them. But this is the key one here. Rodsky also claimed that although the members of the previously well-behaved side are extremely remorseful and embarrassed, they'd also let the club's proud standards slip and that yes. the Storm's strong culture has been tarnished. Like out of any club in the comp when it comes to players actions and behaviors and respect and work and all that sort of stuff that they're judged on by their peers and supporters and fans melbourne's at the top by none and especially when you've got two leaders that we know are pretty loose cannons in munster and smith but they mean they're huge marketability value for the storm uh, especially in queensland and new zealand and especially in the same week that the NRL Academic Team of the Year is announced, um, you literally couldn't put yourself at the other end of the scale because with all the NRL education, et cetera, if you still think taking illicit drugs is going to be good for your body in some way. Um, oh, stupid. 
that's just dumb. And oh, I, yeah, I reckon two two games and that fine. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Storm goes something a bit heavier on them. All right. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a crap history of NRL, this kind of stuff. It really is. Yeah. And for all the others that do it, um, there's, we don't need to know about it. No one else needs to know about it because now you're now painted with that same brush. Well, right. See, if they do, as I said, I think more people do it in the NRL. They do yeah. do it. They run the risk of getting caught and their name getting tarnished for the rest of their life. No one questions Andrew Johnson's ability on the field. It's just that. Yeah. No. I just don't. Yeah. I, I'd never listen to his advice with things on life unless it's like a... Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's but, right. yeah. All right. Another club making uh, waves for a couple of different things are the Bulldogs. So, Phil Gould's been pretty busy uh, this week, both in the mainstream media and on social media with regards to claims around his coach Trent Barrett, the signings for next year, and also the club's policies with regards to COVID. So I think we'll start with the Trent Barrett and the roster stuff because they kind of link together. And basically his comment said that these rubbish claims that Trent Barrett will be under pressure from the get-go in 2022. And this, this was in reply to a rumour that Barrett's been given eight rounds to improve. And is there any truth to that? And Gould said, no, ridiculous. Now, I don't know how much I can believe, not believe, I don't know how much I can bind to either side of this because there's a fair few things at play in, the, in that this, the Bulldogs have had such a, an extended period now of bad roster management based on past employees. And you've still got, in my opinion, a well, technically not a rookie coach, but a rookie coach in charge of one of the proudest and most famous clubs in the league. Now you've got a huge influx of new players and huge outgoings at the same time. Um, we see how much time it takes to gel at clubs that are pretty settled and they're bringing in three players and losing four players, let alone numbers of eight in eight out it's going to take a hell of a lot of time to gel especially with regards to they're going to be having a new fullback and a new five eight possibly <laughs> a new dummy half and who knows what's going to happen with their halfback see, so see, I, I i see this both sides of the thing so I don't think he's going to be under pressure because as adam said it's a brand new team so why would you be under pressure you take a while to gel on the other hand, Gould has famously backed someone and then fired a, te- fired a coach two weeks out from the grand final. Yes. And then rehired him, and now he's the current coach of the premiership, oh, uh, grand final team. So you can, one, contracts mean fuck all in rugby league. Two, Phil Gould will make a decision and stick by it. And if he if it is firing Trent Barrett, not because of the way he's doing things, he'll just do it. And right now he's just going, you know what? This is his version of we're a unified club. Why would we fire our coach so quickly? But when it comes down to it, if Trent Barrett and this is like every other job doesn't meet certain requirements to his contract, Gould will hook him. That's what Gould's like. He'll just say go. So I, I, this means nothing to me, essentially. Yes. The only thing that's in Barrett's um, court here is that he's highly rated um, by Gould. 
he was very supportive of Barrett's uh, selection at Manly when he when he got the role there. Now it says the Bulldogs. I think he hired him at too. Yeah, and they said NRL is under the most, the Bulldogs are under the most pressure in the NRL. I don't know if I buy into that. I think there are other clubs like the Broncos that are under more pressure overall. Uh, so I think there are expectations. Uh, Parramatta, maybe. Yeah, true. Uh, Cowboys as well. Um, I think, because uh, I think if Cameron don't win this weekend, they will be. Yeah, could be. Um, yeah. So those clubs already had the talent there and they aren't doing anything with it at this stage outside of Penrith and Parramatta to a point. Um, we know that these players that they're coming in are talented, but it's a very... It's, it's an odd mix of players. It's not like they've been kicked out by their other clubs. They haven't. Like, Adokar wasn't kicked out. Burton wasn't kicked out. Um, some were based was held on off the field, like Paul Vaughan. Um, but it's not like all of them are going there with a chip on their shoulder. Some of them were sought after. So it is going to take time there. Now, with regards to the roster, there's two spots still available um, for their top 30. And people were sending questions to Gould and social media trying to work out who the last two players were going to be. And this came about from, I think, at Gibsy2707 saying, any news on our last spots being filled for 2022? Gould saying, basically, by the weekend, that'll be the case. So at the end of this weekend, Bulldogs roster should be finalised. He went on to say that there will be a forward and a back. Okay. And then other things, it's kind of like a uh, scavenger hunt trying to work out the two players. The other clues, uh, they will not be Penrith players. And they will not be players who have not had NRL experiences. So any NRL experience, so no rookies, supposedly. This is how much you buy into how much you believe of Gould's uh, Twitter, although he's very outspoken on there and speaks his mind just as much as he does on TV. And generally, everything he said is lined up. So I'm more on the I would believe it side of things. And this list of players have pretty much been ruled out. Peachy, May, Tapao, Woods, Lenu, Staines, Hodgson, Louis, Sims, that's Tariq, Clemmer, Brooks, Kickout, Madison, and Nia Corey. They are not on the radar. So who that leaves you with is still a whole bunch. But there you are. If you're not keen on watching the grand ah. final on the weekend, start a scavenger hunt. Try and work it out before Sunday. And Gus Gould might give you a reply if you pick the right one. Uh, just remember, everyone, there's no such thing as a contract in NRL, so it could be a guy that's contracted to another team for the next five years. No, you're not allowed to talk to them unless you're in the thing. So you can't sign someone who's got four years left. But unless the NRL player reaches out... I don't even think they're allowed to, are they? No. See, they can get around it if a friend of a friend of the representative of the player. So a friend of the friend yeah, of the right. manager I see what you're saying. reaches out to the garbage man of the Bulldogs a dressing room account. and just goes in there and leaves a note on there which the cleaner from another part of the team comes in and it picks like you've up done and this, hand, Jared. hands to Barrett. Yeah, 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 all the time. Hands to Barrett. You know, there's so it's so convoluted, but no one actually knows where the story came from. But... I will say this, Paul Kent and Crawley will pick it up and they will know about it. Yeah, Nick Politis uh, started the rumours, I'm sure. All <laughs> right, um, 
talking about players and player signings, Sia Soliola has announced his retirement. Now, this is uh, one of the saddest retirements. The amount of, I think Soliola more than anybody has had more current and former players talk about him and his impact on their progression as a player and a person. He's His nickname's Uncle uh, to a lot of the players in the league. And this guy's just been absolute soldier and a, and a role model and a leader. And you can't say a bad word about him. 336 matches in the NRL and Super League. A no-nonsense forward. Players that played with him and against him were full of admiration. Um, he, he said, I'm at ease with everything now. There are a few mixed emotions. I'm excited, a bit nervous, but relieved to have made the decision to leave the game, which has given me a lot. I'm looking forward to what's ahead. Um, yeah, well, he's going to get such a big ovation at the grand yeah, final he, farewell. He he was that player. When we ever when we named out the team every week, we're like, yeah, it's a solid, solid choice. He was every a killer fantasy time. gun back in the day, too. Yeah. And like he, he's just one of those guys that I put him not not as probably his talent level, but the same level as of respect in the game as the Morris twins. We spent about twenty mm. minutes talking about how much we like those boys Definitely. a couple of weeks ago, and you know they they play the game, they walk off with a smile on their face. There's no arrogance, there's no um, over exuberance. They know how to play the game well within the bounds that players and supporters like. There's no bullshit around them. There's no gamesmanship and, from them. There's only sportsmanship. Yeah, and you, you just want them to retire and you want them to have the, the accolades they deserve. And for their entire career, they've put everyone ahead of themselves. And I hope someone puts them ahead so they enjoy their retirement. They, they would be... Well said, Jared. They would be three of the names first picked by players if they were asked to pick a team to play with like who do you want on your team 100% both Morris Twins and Soliola would be on the majority of players teams because Soliola is not going to win you a game off his back but he's hella sure not going to lose one either because he'll be there if you miss a tackle um Sticking on the Raiders, they've also announced a departure that I know of Dynamis Louie and Caleb Aiken. So a bit of a surprising name there. Now, Caleb Aiken. I want Caleb Aiken to Newcastle. Penrith fans, I've, I've seen a 50-50 about losing him and letting him go. Raiders fans weren't overly keen on picking him up and seemed quite keen to let him go, the majority of them, not all. Um, interesting to see where he ends up. So... Look, he could be Nico Hines. He, 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 he could be. If, he, if Melbourne get him cheaply, he could yeah. play that Nico Hines role. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought you said he's as good as Nico Hines. No, so no, no. Like, but oh, he, 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 he has... And you know what? Right now, Newcastle... Uh, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind picking him up. We need a replacement fullback. He can create something. He's a good ball runner and he's safe under the high ball. I'm... Unless there's an attitude problem there, from what I've seen him on the field, I think he, I think he's going to be a pretty quality pickup for a lot of teams. I wouldn't mind um, him at Manly actually. As a, um, I'd prefer him to be able to slot in if Turbo goes down again at some point, rather than shift the 
wings around again. But yeah, interesting well, to, to see where he ends up. Yeah, to be honest, I think a few teams could use someone like this. Um, like Bulldogs actually have a structured fullback, do they? Bulldogs. Yeah. Yeah, they got Adok. No, Matt Dufty. Yeah, Matt Dufty, but like I, I would have Jacobs there as a as a um, depth player at Bulldogs just because he can push Matt Dufty. They've still got Corey few, Allen few there bloody as, as well because he probably won't get oh, a starting backline position. Few blood, few teams who could use someone like this on this in their top thirty easily. It's ridiculous that he's Canberra, considering what happened to them this year when Clockstab went down. Mm. Bit um. Bit rough, eh? Yeah. All right, we're gonna. It's been a pretty decent coverage of everything. I think we're gonna have a quick break here, and then once we come back, it's gonna be everything grand final preview. All righty, we are gonna kick off our grand final preview with two stories, one from each team, just a couple of players with I don't know fairy fairy tale storylines. So for Penrith, you've got Paul Momorowski. And you may remember he was part of the Melbourne Storm squad uh, won the premiership last year. He was part of the Roosters squad who won the premiership the year before. He's now part of the Penrith squad who in the grand final this year. But he's actually playing this time. It's the first time he gets to play in a grand final. And Big T also pointed out that he also played for the West Tigers, although they did not make a grand final. So three out of four aren't bad. Ain't bad, sorry. And he's 26 years old. Finally, it's the full grand final experience. It's hard to see. Sorry, it, it, it's hard for me to try and picture what he would be feeling, knowing that he's been in and around all of this without actually playing it. Sorry, I said 26, 25. Uh, who knows? I reckon it's, it's a really cool storyline. Um, he'll be playing against Alex Johnson, who was in the same 2013 SG ball team that Momorowski was on. Um, at South, along with some of the other South juniors that we'll talk about when we talk about the South team in a little bit. And he's going to be feeling a whole bunch of different emotions, I would assume. He's going to be excited. He'll be nervous. Um, Obviously, he's going to be proud. And um, it's got to be odd playing in your first grand final against a club you played played at as a junior and had success in. Um, and then going out there and wanting to beat them. So it's going to, whatever happens, he's going to be an emotional wreck, I'm sure. Another part of it is that he he, he actually makes their back line stronger. So what is that funny? Throughout the year, throughout <laughs> the year they, 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 their team was Matt Burton, uh, sorry, their back line was Cleary, Luai, Burton, Crichton, Tyro and Staines on the wing. That was what yeah. they, they did. And yeah. with that's why you're in a band to fit Staines in. Yeah. And he 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 as as you said, he played the last three teams that made the grand final and he always stood back and he was always in there when they needed someone. I'm pretty sure for the Roosters game, he actually scored the winning try for him to get into one of the mm. grand finals, but then dropped the next week. So he was always that was a bridesmaid, not a bride for the last three years. But then this year, he's he's trained hard, he's earned his spot, and putting him in the centers and moving Stephen Crichton on the wing, I I truly believe 
that their team is so much stronger with him in it, in the centres. So not only did he sit back and have to celebrate on the sideline, obviously, with the last the last three years, but he's earned his right to play in this one for the work he's done in the off-season with the Pembroke Panthers and the stuff he's learned from the three separate clubs. So I, it's one of the best stories in the, in the NRL right now. In a, in a way, he's got more grand final experience than the other players, even though they've all, the majority of Penrith have played in one last year um, and he hasn't played yet, but he's been around it for that extra and, season. And, think, and he's think, done think one with the Roosters it. and one with the Storm, the two most... Think about it. And in the last five teams. years, he's learned how to Craig Bellamy, Michael Maguire, Trent Robinson, Ivan Cleary. That is an impressive... Playing under like that—that that is an impressive resume right there. That you've learnt under them as a player. That's really you good. Do, you could do worse. And yeah. the storyline from South—I couldn't go past Alex Johnston. So if you remember, there was a chance that he wasn't even getting get a new contract with South. In the end, it ended up being his contract that forced Adam Reynolds to leave this, uh, which is kind of bittersweet. Um, Top try scorer this season with 28, 29? Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. ended up on some crazy number. Now, if you remember, he's only one. Sorry, he's one of only three Rabbitohs players who are still there from the 2014 triumph. That was... It shows how ridiculously ago. hard it can be to get to the grand final. And he was pretty much a rookie there. And he scored a try in the grand final. He scored the first try in the grand final. I'm trying to see if Jared knows the other two players who are in that grand final are still at South. Adam Reynolds. That was the easy one. Yeah, give me give me a look here. Give me a look here. No, no looking. That'll give it away too easy. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. This is great. Was it, this is, this it is was great. Burgess. Yeah, Tom Burgess. There we go. Yeah. So in his debut season, 21 tries in 18 games. Um, 29 tries, there you go, in 21 games this year. So he said that grand final compared to now is like a different world. He was just going out there playing footy, loving it, no pressure, just how good's this? I want a grand final field with Greg Inglis, basically. And coming up against quite a favoured Bulldogs side. And we were at that grand final and it was a pumping atmosphere. She had two of the storied clubs of the comp. I remember the group that we were in, everyone was going for the Rabbitohs except for our poor mate, Kevy Carb, who was a suffering Bulldogs supporter. And he took it all in good jest as he does with everything. Um, it was an amazing experience, that one. Being on the field would have been incredible. So now... When Greg point, scored that try, it was epic. Yes, and then Johnson scoring the last try of their solid winning against the Seagulls in the prelim um, and how close he was to not playing this season. He's obviously not taking anything for granted from his words. All right, let's look at some uh, late this, mail. Sorry, you go. Uh, sorry, this is another story about Jeff Sydney. So a lot gets talked about the fact, and it should be because it's really impressive. I think Pembroke forgot 14 or 15 junior junior from their development mm-hmm. in this grand final team, which is, you know, that's massive. But something that's not really talked about much is the fact that South Sydney, uh, sorry, it does get talked about a lot that South Sydney don't have juniors. 
they struggle to um, maintain their juniors because it's such a condensed area where every other team just pick them apart where they go. This grand final team actually has six South Sydney juniors out of 17. So that's really impressive for what they got. So they got Cam, Campbell Graham, Adam Reynolds, Alex Johnson, Cam Murray, Keon Colomatungi, and Blake Taft. So you've got, what, two... Two established New South Wales players there. One 18th man. You think Colin Matungi is going to get a run in New South Wales any year now, the way his form is. And Blake Taft is just starting his career, but he's looking the goods pretty well. So, look, that's pretty impressive for a team that isn't widely regarded for his junior development. They have six in its squad for a grand final, I think that's that should be talked about a bit more. It's I think really, they do really a good, good job of developing juniors. They just get poached by... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and <it's>, um, but, <laughs> and, but it does go both ways there. Uh, let's, not, let's not beat around. So, well, I really like that. You could, you could kind of pretty much call this as a development squad grand final, basically, of two teams that have had success in the uh, junior comps over the last five, six, seven years. All right, casualty ward leading into the grand final. Now, there are a number of players under injury clouds, but this is nothing new. It's the last game of a very vigorous season. There's always going to be niggling injuries. So on the south uh, Penrith side of th- things, Dylan Edwards is getting around the moon boot. He's been doing that for the last few weeks. He, if you remember, he didn't play in the first round of the finals. Now, lost to the Rabbitohs. Um, this is due to a foot injury, a plantar fascia issue that he's had for the last two months or best part of two months. So the moon boot keeps weight off those ligaments, keeps pressure off them so they can be as stable as possible leading into game week. Ryan Tuo, um, his ankle remains in a brace as he manages an ongoing syndesmosis injury. So if you do remember, he had surgery on that earlier this year. Uh, James Fisher, Harris, Moses, Leota both took part in training drills as they firm for their place. Most Leota's had a couple of games out. Penrith have 13 players with grand final experience compared to four for the Rabbitohs. Now, the only real concern for the Rabbitohs is Adam Reynolds. If you didn't watch Manly's, uh, their game against Manly, he did not do any of the goal kicking. That was all Blake Taff, although he did kick during play. Um, It's a low-grade abductor issue, so that's your groin. So he did training away from the team today, and the call on goal kicking duties won't be made until game day. So obviously running feels fine. Um, they'll get the captain's run in, have a few shots and see how it feels. Now, the difference with a conversion to a free-flowing kick is you're in motion when you do a grubby kick or a bomb, et cetera, et cetera. All parts of your body are moving together. Your body's quite warm. When you go to a conversion, your body is still hotter than usual, but it does cool. And the blood's not pumping as it is when you're moving. There's the chance that cramp or tightness could set in which would affect uh, a groin during goal kicking um another random factor has got nothing to do with injuries but alex johnson requires one try to break the rabbitohs try scoring record for a season so for a club that's been around since 1908 that would be quite an achievement all righty let's have a look at the teams themselves so Tavita Pangai Jr. will not be part of the decider after suffering ligament damage to his knee against the Storm, looking at about a month recovery. So for the Rabbitohs overall, it's the same 17 they had last week. It's actually the same 21 with even the same four reserves. So no changes whatsoever. Uh, for the Penny Panthers, obviously 
uh, Tavita Pangai comes out and um, Spencer Lenu comes onto the interchange bench. Not a bad replacement right there. No, to join Tyro May, Scott Sorensen and Liam Martin. Um, looking through the list here, Kikau's named to start again. Um, remember, he did come on very early last week based on that uh, non-fair play bloody crap that <laughs> it's happened a high last tackle. week. Um, he came on the ninth minute. I'd assume he's going to start off the bench as what was occurring before this. Um, I don't see anyone in the reserves from either side coming on except for maybe Mitch Kenny uh, for Penrith for the expense of Tyrone May. I think that would be a better decision for Penrith. I think that would make them more sure through the middle. Uh, but we'll wait to see if that happens. So he had an ankle injury against the Eels in the semifinal, had last week off, but there's a chance that he will come in. Uh, Brent Naden is their 18th man, not a bad backup if required. Uh, for Rabbitohs, the 18th man's going to be Tane Milne, by the look of it. Also Patrick Margo, Braden Burns and Jed Cartwright. So four players there that will definitely not let you down and have NRL caliber talent. All righty. Um, before we break down these teams, I reckon we go to our listener questions and queries. What do you reckon, Jared? That might be the best way to lead into this. Yes. Cool. So we put the call out this afternoon on Twitter and Facebook. Um, if you want a topic for us to talk about tonight's episode, so we're going to start with one that I didn't uh, give Jared a heads up with before the pods that came on came in during recording. So from the voluntary tackle, can a winger be the first to win a Clive Churchill on Sunday? No. Well, that's the that's the straight up um, answer, straight underneath that question on Twitter. Oh, look, so, maybe Brian Poe. That's what I was thinking. If Greeks so, have it. Oh, have it. Crichton's but, even, well, Johnson's got an outside chance, and so is Crichton. Well, based see, on their that, that's the thing. Like, Johnson's, a, Johnson's a fantastic finisher. But how many tries do you put down to Cody Walker? Like, how many That's times is Cody Walker in put in a position where he literally has to just, like, tap the ball down? And this is nothing on Alex Jones. He's amazing. And he has worked for a decent amount of these tries. But I think a lot of wingers' tries come from the inside. And a lot of the try assists, I think, what, what does Cody Walker have, like, 50 tries this, this year That's or something? The only- he was the only one with more than Tom Trebojevic, and Tom Trebojevic yeah. had 28. Yeah, no, he, he had a shit ton. 30-something. Yeah, he had a shit ton. So, yes, I, I believe that scoring tries is vital, but I think setting up tries is more vital, to be honest. you got someone who you can finish like Alex Johnson. That's a very specialised role. you got someone like Cody Walker who can dictate to a defensive line that's even better, in my opinion. All right. So it's a no from Jared. And um, my first thought was, when's the last time a wingers won an award like this? And Dane Gagai, State of Origin, man, the series came to mind. Now, not only did Gagai score tries, but numerous line breaks and those line breaks based on the back of kick returns. And looking at these four wingers, that's not Johnson's cup of tea. He's a finisher. Um Paulo's not up to the same consistency with regards to showcasing talent week to week that the other three are. 
Crichton can do that, but he's still warming into his wing role. So that leaves Brian Toto to me. And does he have those same, the same skill set as a gay guy to be able to do that? Yeah, he does. He just does it in a different way. His is pure power. Um, gay guy had a bit more of the finesse and foot speed, uh, agility. Oh, so I'm trying to say lateral movement and then top end pace. But that sort of performance and... It got to the point, remember, with the gay guy, South Sydney um, Maroons memes were going on about when he changes jersey or switches the button. Um, I think that sort of performance Brian Toro has in him. And depending on the style of game this is, yeah, I, I could see a performance like that being in there. Like, bloody hell, if a prop can win a Clive Churchill, then I reckon a winger can as well. No offence to either position. Huh. Yeah, no, I'll, give, I'll give that a... I'll give it a 55-45 decision. Nah, not happening. All right. Uh, let's move on. So thank you to at Voluntary Tackle uh, for that one there. We'll stick on Twitter here. Now, the first one that came back was by, and I want to get the right person here. Pretty sure it was Big T, actually. Came up, will Benji Marshall... Be a Hall of Famer, basically, was the gist of the question. I did send it to you with an actual picture, Jared. So if you've got the proper wording there, that would be brilliant. Otherwise, I'll go back and find it here. No, I got it here. Answer, yes, he, he definitely deserves it. Um, it says, Benji, Walsh, Benji Marshall walks into the Hall of Fame, right? Question mark. Yeah. No, he, he definitely does. Um, he, he, he's... He, I think he. I think he can walk. If he if he does retire this year, I think he can walk off the field and be presented the Hall of Fame, whatever they get, straight off the field. I know that can't happen, but he's captain the Kiwis. He's captain the thing. He's created a highlight reel that will be forever used for the ages. He has been an outstanding person on and off the field, the way he does things. He's a fantastic media presence on um, when he talks. And I think... He has an analytical he, mind for the game as well. Yeah, and I think he's a great mentor Ambassador. for younger people. Like, that's one of the reasons Wayne Bennett brought him to South Sydney. And I was going to say it a bit later, but I don't think South Sydney make the grand final without him playing. I really don't because... Yes, he comes on and I think their attack gets very their attack gets a lot more fluent when he's on the field. But I think him being in the club and with his experience, and you gotta admit, he had a few rough years, you know. Mm-hmm. Tigers he got hooked from, went to no, went to Union, all yeah, blues. blues. Yeah. Spent a year sitting on the pond on the bench. I think he played like 27 minutes for an entire year or something. And then he came back to Dragons, got absolutely rolled over the coals there, went back to Tigers, got fired again. And then now he's at the now he's at the um, Rabbits where he doesn't actually have the game sitting on his back. He actually can go on there and just play footy, which Wayne Bennett just told him he probably signed him. And he 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 he's a great presence around the club when adversity happens in every situation because he's that older relatable person who can handle it. And yeah, I, I, I honestly don't think they can make the grand final. So without him, and I think his career speaks for itself, itself to walk into the Hall of Fame with no one questioning it. Yes, 100% that he's a Hall of Famer. 
uh, from my point of view. And this is what we we're alluding to earlier in the show. This is going to be a segment that we're definitely going to dive into in the off season because that conversation um, kept getting replies. And one from Jamie Sowd, who I tagged in the question as well. He said, yes, I'd argue he'd be the first Kiwi immortal if they win Sunday, which is the next step up. So that'd give him um, a second uh, grand final ring. Set on that one. So it just kept rolling on from there. And um, other replies from NRL conspiracies is that the ARLC don't talk up the Hall of Fame enough. And Rugby League should said he should be in on his influence alone. So... Hmm. I put the question up then for reference, are there parameters or points of reference to get into the Hall of Fame at present? And Biggest Tiger pointed me towards a website from a little blurb and then I just went page after page after page. And the process to get into the Hall of Fame is so spelt out and there's so many steps to go through in order to get there that there's no way we can get through something like that on a segment like this. So that's going to be one of our off-season things to look at the players that are in there and start maybe... Uh, feeding out to you guys who you think could be considerations for the Hall of Fame in years to come. Um, I'd say Benji Marshall would get both our ticks, definitely. And um, I did say last week that I picked the two 14s as the key to the Manly Souths game. And while Dylan Walker tried hard, it was Benji's try assist that pretty much nipped Manly in the bud early in the second half when Manly were on the front foot for the first time in the match. And... There was a feeling they were turning the tide. Manly made the mistake. Um, Marshall made him pay um, by setting up a, a very, what looked like a simple try that had an elite level of skill about it. So thank you for that one, uh, Big T. Let's move on to, do you want to go to Tim F? Yes. Jared. So he's put forward, can Panthers win with Cleary only kicking? He's hiding in defense and not really passing. This is by Tim F on Facebook. Can Panthers win with Cleary only kicking? He's hiding in defense and not really passing. I would say no, they cannot win if he's only kicking. Um, with regards to, I'm not sure if Tim F's referencing the game against Melbourne specifically with regards to the kicking try assist. In saying that, I've seen um, Cleary win games literally from kicking only, but not a grand final. So no, if it's just on his kicking and they take the pass away, no, I don't think Penrith can win, but I don't see how they can take the pass away regardless. And I don't recall him favoring kicking only um, in any of so, his recent games. So I do believe at the start of the year, if you actually look back on it, his stats would say that he's handling the ball less now than he was at the start of the year in a set. Mm -hmm. um, and we was highly commended for that. There's two ways to look at what's happened. It's either um, that he's hurt and he can't do that anymore, or Ivan Cleary's got mate, let the rest of the team to, don't put it all on your shoulders, otherwise you'll be burnt out by now. Mm -hmm. So... One of the two reasons he's not touching the ball, but in saying that too, they're still winning with this ability to do it. So, yes, Adam's right. They can only they won't win with his kicking, but they won't win with him just kicking. But I wouldn't say he's hiding in defense as much as any other half in the NRL. Um, you know, 
Alan Langer was famous for having multiple protectors around him in defence because he wasn't strong defensively. Darren Lockyer was the same thing. Um, and I guarantee you, Adam Reynolds... Oh, sorry. Did I say Adam Reynolds? Did I say Alan Langer earlier? Adam Reynolds will... Yeah, Adam Reynolds will have the same pick. Last year... Uh, oh, sorry, last week, Adam Reynolds barely did anything, but he still steered the team around. 2019, Cooper Cronk played, what, 75 minutes with a broken scapula. Yeah. And all he had to do was point everyone around. So there's team's ability to do it if the player is smart and influential enough in the in the team to be only kicking, putting it in the corners and hiding defensively. It can be done. It can be done. Um, and so I'm looking at that, and I think Cleary's got the talent in order to do that. And he's got the organisation in order to do that if he chooses to. I reckon he could win with just passing. I don't think kicking. he will. I don't think he will because that's not the, the balance there. So having a look at, this is coming from the Fox Sports Lab. Uh, this is all the halfbacks for the 2021 season. So the amount that this is the number of kicks in the season, Nathan Cleary is top, Cherry Evans is second, Mitch Moses, Luke Brooks. But the gap's not big. So he's had 327 kicks, Cherry Evans had 307. Okay? And then Moses, 295. Um, kick meters, obviously, is telling the most as well. Um. With regards to tackles, if he's hiding in defense, let's have a look. Well, they've got Bailey Siren in his top, so I don't know how they put him under his halfback, so I've got it filtered to halfback. Um, and then Josh Schuster, I'm not going to look at that. So Cherry Evans is the top tackling halfback, 487. And then Luke Brooks, 426. So going down to find Cleary, he's down here at 330. So he's had 157 less tackles than Cherry Evans. Um, That's a good he also, Yeah, but he also played in six less games. So you'd have to have a look at what the tackling average per game yeah, is there. See, that, that's a good thing. That means Penrith are defending well and not letting their halfback do the job, which is not the halfback's job. Yes, you, you have to defend, but if you can limit your halfback to get your second role to do most of the defense, why the hell not? Yeah, exactly. And that comes down to the setup of the team as well, uh, yeah. let's call it. So he had, in those 330 tackles, he had 47 uh, missed tackles. And went that that pretty much is relative to those around him because Fogarty's the next closest with regards to missed tackles and he's on, he had 402, so a fair few more. I, I reckon say, Pierce would be bloody higher than Nathan Cleary. I would say Cherry Evans, man. 51 missed tackles. Manly aren't even playing in this game. And bloody. I'm just having a look at Adam's this, though. Talk, Adam's talking about Cherry and Manly aren't even playing. Just look at defense. 100, he made 150, <laughs> 157 more tackles. He had four missed tackles more. Okay. He's a fucking so, defender. Anyway, um, no, I going so back. Cleary can win this game no matter how he wants, whatever way he wants to. Yeah, I. Yeah, 100%. I don't know if he's hiding defense. I think it's more the structure of the team around. He's definitely not the best defender, but it comes down to team structure as well. He, and he's not as bad as Al Langer and Darren Lockyer in defense. Let's put it that way. Yes, 100%. Okay, so it's two maths there. We've got voluntary tackle. We've got the. Um, let us with hazards here. So this one's from James oh. Downs. Um, oh, has. Who's the key man for both teams? 
So he's got a two-part cool. question. We'll do this bit first. Who's the key man for both teams? Cook, Cook and Cleary. Cook and Cleary? Now, when we're talking key so, man, are we talking about the one who, if they play their best game, it gives their team the best chance of winning outside of the star? Or are we talking about who's the best player on each team? I think Sometimes it can be influ- the same thing. I think, I think it's the most influential you can dictate the game. And I think Cook, we speed out of dummy half. And I, there's an argument for Murray's playables as well because it's so... It's, South Sydney's attack is so dependent on Murray playing well. But I think Cook making these decisions out of dummy half um, is the I, most influential for South Sydney. I think and last week's clear- game is proving your point. Because Sorry? he, even though he didn't score a try himself, he did the setup that grubber kick to Cody Walker's try. But yeah. every time Sydney, South Sydney got on the front foot, Cook was darting around dummy half, keeping Manly on the back foot. And He's they just the couldn't get the most influential player as far as that because he, nine times out of 10, makes that correct decision out of dummy half. For South Sydney, uh, so, so for Pembroke, 100% clear. If he can get on point, but I think the difference between him and everyone else in the field is the fact that he can do what he did in Melbourne last week with that kick. He can do that. He can put it on the dime, and he's the only one in the field who has the ability to do that in in those circumstances. So, yeah, I think Cook and Cleary are the biggest two in this game. But I think the, the player who's a smoky for that, that I don't think many people are worried about because there's so many superstars. It's actually Jai Arrow. So I actually criticise South Sydney for having this bloke on the bench, but the amount of damage he causes off the bench is just incredible. He plays in second row, plays front row, plays lock. Um, He just comes on the field. And I feel like that last year when he played for Gold Coast, he was talked about every single week because he was the only one doing things. But I think this year, one, he's not talked about as much, but I actually think his game's gone up to a different level in that the way, just through pure influence and effort plays are more pronounced when there's people around him doing the same thing. Um, and I really do believe that he's brought his game to another level. And I think a lot of people really look at this four pack, starting four packs, and he comes on the field after like 20 minutes and just rips you apart effect, that effectively. It's insane. Who you got? Yeah. Um, I'm going. So for the Rabbitohs, they beat Penrith in the first round of the finals, and that was based on Adam Reynolds, in my opinion, and his control of the game, his kicking game, his organisation of those around him, and the the fact that everyone was in their position. He didn't have a big game against Manly, and whether that was injury-focused or not, or whether the fact that Cody Walker took over, it was a very fast-paced game, and someone with a, a groin injury, probably not the best case for that but they it's funny for south when they beat penrith they took the pace out of the game which is generally plays the strength of penrith but it plays the strength of the rabbitos i think the key player for the rabbits is reynolds um based on the fact so many eyes are on 
Cody Walker, Damien Cook, in my opinion, based on last week, and Cam Murray because of the amount of attention he got from last week as well. Um, my key for Penrith um, is James Fisher-Harris and not for his offense. I think a big part of Penrith winning this game is stopping the Rabbitohs bench because I think the Rabbitohs bench is quite a way ahead of Penrith um, outside of Benji Marshall's class. But you've got Burgess and Jairo, who you've already mentioned. So Tom Burgess, to me, has had a renaissance year uh, for him in that his metres uh, per game, his influence per game has been massive. So if you look at just the metres he had against Penrith, and this was coming off the bench, um, he only played 41 minutes. We've talked about this previously, but he ran for 212 metres and 76 of them, um, sorry, 136 of them being hit ups, so the rest being post-contact, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, 16 tackles made, no missed tackles. Now, it's not a one-off performance. The week before that, 201 metres off the bench against Manly um, in only 36 minutes, 130 metres off the bench. If you're letting this big guy get out and rumble on the back of the platform that Nichols and Totola are going to put down, you'll never stop this South pack because... It's not going to slow down when Burgess gets on the field. So James Fisher-Harris's role is to play tough minutes at the start, but ensure that when he's on to match up against Burgess, he's not letting him get the go forward because where a lot of these lesser teams fall down is when the rotation of props come off the bench, they lose all their go forward. Uh, Parramatta's an example. Uh, St. George is an example. Um, at times, Newcastle was the reverse of the example. They weren't starting well, but their bench came on and they got the role and then it reversed once the starters came back on. So it's extremely important to keep that momentum going. So I think Fisher-Harris, Mitch Kenny, if he gets the interchange role over Tyrone May, it'll be between the two of them to slow that down because I think Isaiah Yo is going to have more of an impact with the ball in hand let alone, uh, as opposed to defence. Um, the second part of James's question was, what does each team have to do to win on Sunday? For example, will a fast or slow game be required to get the edge for who wins or loses? I think I just touched on that before. Um, generally, Penrith-like will have more of an advantage than Rabbitohs in a slow, tight game, but that's kind of how the Rabbitohs beat them and beat them convincingly to a point in the first round of the finals. Um. If you think back to the previous game that they played, Rabbitohs got away to that 12-0 lead and it was a very fast-paced game and then Penrith slowed it down and then put on a burst of their own. So I don't think either of these teams are pure front or uh, back runners. I don't think that's really going to matter. They've both got points in them. If it comes down to a calculated game, I think that honestly... I don't think that favours either because I think Cleary and Reynolds are such so similar in how they play. Um, they're so reliant on their kicks to control the game and they're deceptive with their passing and control in the red zone. And Walker and Lui like to play off the front foot. And if there's no front foot to play, they can both run sideways quite a lot, as will Cook, as will Coruscant. So I, I honestly think the pace of the game is going to more be relevant for the team that's creating the pace, if that makes sense. The forward, the forward battle. 
Um, yeah, the four, like if it's a slow game, I think they're both fine. But if Penrith make it the slow game, it gives them the advantage. If South make it the slow game, it gives them the advantage because they've also got the control. I so I reckon if it's if it if just purely on condition, if it's wet, Penrith win. Um, just because and there's a chance of that because it's been yeah. we've had thunderstorms threatening the last couple of days. Yeah, I think if it's wet, Penrith win because I think they have more of a ability to get down and dirty in a game. Um, but if it's dry, I, I'm actually still saying Penrith win, but it will be a shootout, I reckon. Because as I said last week, I don't think both these teams actually played to their potential last week. Oh, not even close. Uh, South, they, they belted the shit out of Pem, um, Manly, but they didn't get out of second year. And I'm not even going to mention how shit that Pembroke-Melbourne game because I've ranted too much in the last episode. But if... And I think this game, if it's dry, dry track, both teams bring out their defensive... Um, uh, sorry, their attacking flair. I think this is going to be absolute shootout. And whoever... Gets two tries in a uh, a two try head will win, but that that's so hard. Fifteen teams forty wins on in about twenty minutes if they need to. It's insane. So I've already um, changed my answer. Of course. Okay. I What's your answer? Um, if it's a tight game, South will win because they've got Marshall on the bench and Penrith don't. Yeah, I know. And that that does help because Marshall Reynolds beats Marshall Reynolds and Walker beats Coruscant. Uh, Marshall Reynolds, Walker, and um, Cook yeah. beat Coruscant, yeah. Cleary, and um, yeah, they Maybe South Sydney have much more experience. They have much more big game experience, but um, oh, they, they got less big games. Think South Sydney do. Don't. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, no. no. I was, I was, yeah, no. I had the Penrith team up on my screen. Wait, so. when it, if it comes to shootout as far as penalty goals and positioning, I do think that South will win it just because they've got that really awesome balance between the flair of Cody Walker and the elite talent of their back line. But you balance that with the ability to control and make the right decision with Marshall and Reynolds. If that say say Penrith are up by two with four minutes left and Rabbitohs get a penalty from 35 out, who takes a kick, Reynolds or Taff? Reynolds. Reynolds. Without yeah, kicking, think... who kicks for the rest of the game for conversion? See, 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 the thing about it is that last week he was he was put on ice while playing because you guys are so far ahead. So it started the game where he wasn't kicking, obviously, and Walker yeah. probably wasn't putting in the best kicks, but he was just putting it high to trouble Trevojevic. Yeah, his kicking game was so, when, was not good. Walker's wasn't, no. No, Reynolds. Came, yeah, but that's the thing. He barely kicked last week. How many, yeah, how, many kicks, how many kicks did he put in last week? He put in... Um, when it loads, when it loads, nine kicks. That's that's tiny for Reynolds. Yeah, true. Considering his game is built around his kicking. Um, and then the the previous week, well, well, sorry, when they beat Penrith, he actually um, kicked it seventeen times. 
Yeah, okay. So you almost double the amount of yes, kicks in this game. That justifies my control of kicking. <laughs> yeah, so look, but the thing about it is last week he was able to hide and not kick because he didn't have to. Yeah, he, his control was not needed. You give a guy like Reynolds, ultimate professional, an extra week like that to remedy a supposed hammy injury, mm. he's going to be fine this weekend. And he's playing on his home ground, so even better. Yeah. Um, Colin Matungi oh. showed up kick out last time, so it's going to be interesting to see if that occurs again. Um, Who are you going? I'm going South, honestly. I'm going I think, Penrith. I want right. South to win, but I think Penrith's going to do it. They do have the, all right, we've been here, done that as, as early as last year. Um, the difference has been a couple of differences in the uh, forward pack, I'm going to say. Uh, without, who was there last year? Tarmow and um, uh, someone who went overseas. I can't bloody remember. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the 2020 list. I am just looking at this South roster, though, especially I think the bench is just too big for South with not like one with size with Burgess and Host, but uh, Arrow and Marshall, just the the strength that they bring off the bench. If South get the roll, they're just going to keep keep rolling. If Penrith gets the roll early on, I, I believe South have the cattle to come off the bench and slow it down. Um, if not stop it, but definitely slow it down. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Bennett rotates Sua, Kolomitangi, Murray, uh, Arrow. I wouldn't even be surprised to see Murray play 80 and Arrow come on as a, a prop. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gives Murray a 20-minute or 10-minute spell and have Arrow at lock for a bit and then move him to prop. Um, I think in the back... In the backs, the, the halves almost cancel each other out based on what their forward packs are doing. If their forwards are the one winning the battle, then both sets of halves have the ability to dominate, um, as do both back lines. Um, Matt Burton's defence has to be on point, which it hasn't been. Crichton's got the advantage in the air over Johnson. Um, Taff and Edwards... Obviously, Edwards has the experience. Taft's got the talent. We saw that last week. Yeah, I, I reckon South are going to get this. Get my. Pick. I, I hope South. I just think Penrith have got that. Fucking it actually feels team. like a grand final. That's pretty even, which we haven't honestly had for quite a while. Because I thought last year was pretty much going to be one sided, and despite the scoreline, it, it was. Um, what was the year before that? Roosters versus that was Roosters versus yeah, Storm, wasn't it? Yeah, it was too. No. That was um, Slater's last one. Um, yeah, whatever. That was so yeah, it was, I, I'm picking South. So I think they. Uh, sorry, Penrith. I think they're going to do it, but I hope South win. I can't have Beetle winning the grand final. That is not okay. But I do think Penrith is going to pull it out. That's right. So you've got a you've got a younger brother on uh, Penrith supporter. I've got a younger brother who's a South supporter. So there we go. Yeah. Alrighty. So good luck to all those who still have tickets. Um, I've been getting messages throughout the entire pod uh, with the group that we've got tickets with and um, we've yet to, hold on, shit, we're just going through. Uh, oh, gee, bloody hell. They what? sent through the email that one of their other mates got. I thought that was the email we just got. 
Oh, oh fuck! Hurry up. <laughs> um, who knows? <laughs> I might be going to. The, but oh, sorry. We should have sp- we should have spruced this at the start. Um, Monday nights, our grand final wrap. We're gonna do something we haven't done before. We're gonna record the whole show, the actual pod through YouTube. Um, so it's gonna be a live feed podcast recording. So we'll be on there regardless, recording our wrap up of the grand final. But what it will allow you to do is jump in the chat and we're going to host a Q&A through the whole show. So if you want to jump in there, um, watch the podcast that's recorded, you can chat with us, you can throw questions up there and we can get back to you straight away. Uh, Sound quality might not be as good as per normal. We haven't done this before. Our YouTube live streams we've done have just been our reactions to games, that sort of stuff. We've never actually recorded a whole podcast through there. So we're going to try that. So have a look on our platforms for the live stream. We'll get that posted up probably by Saturday at the latest um, to give you today's notice. Uh, it'll be sometime Monday night, roughly around uh, eight o'clock. That's generally when we record. Um, although it is a public holiday, so it might be earlier. We'll work that out before Saturday. So really would love to get you on there. You give you a day to recover just uh, after whatever happens. And um, hopefully we'll be chatting with a bunch of you guys Monday night. There he is. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.